Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? Cool Hand Luke, here we are again. Right now in the Matrix metaverse, whatever we call this life situation we're in, there's some God conversations that are popping off. Uh, Most of them, uh, the ones that we're talking about, have been going off on Rogan. I think uh, the two of us were longtime Rogan listeners, especially myself. I think he's going to be like a historical figure um as we move forward um not to say that that's an endorsement of everything he says but there's no argument with his massive popularity if you look into like what rogan is and just how popular he is and how many downloads some of those episodes receive i mean it's it's really kind of mind-boggling but recently we were talking about one uh, last podcast and there's been two more since when he's really having uh, long conversations about God. These are interesting because I think you and I both know that these are they're such mainstream conversations about God. So it'd be kind of since this is our beat, it'd be kind of interesting to chime in on how some of these conversations were going. Yeah, the thing I like about Rogan is he he asks the right questions. And uh, it's two kinds of people. If you're asking the question, what is the God experience or what experiences have they had? You, you have the intellectual and then you have like, you know, the person that is knowing something inside and, and seek something out and uh, does not want to learn it in a knowledge brainy type way, kind of like the way you learn in school. There's two types of learning. Um, I forget the guy's name, but you know, the question was asked of, of experiences in God and some of the answers were pretty cool, but um, I, I just can't help but notice someone who's heavy in intellectual knowledge, like really has to process it or explain it in like a logical way. Um, this one, do you remember the guy's name on Rogan? It was episode 208. I don't remember the guy's episode name. Episode 208. Yeah. But it was the first, like... 2008. 2008. I don't yeah. recall hearing that many smart scientists that are, like, ideological Christians. Yeah. So that was rare in itself. And it really comes down to... I mean, when I, when I listen to people so uh, on the intellectual side... Sometimes I just, you know, want to slap them and say, just take a few deep breaths and and let presence come in. Um, and then today, Duncan Trussell comes on 
who definitely has some experience on the spiritual path. I think he's been on some retreats and it's almost quite the opposite. Um, but the one thing I like about Rogan is no matter what guest he has on, he always asks the right question. It's always presented in, um, and that's why, you know, if he ever asked me a question, someone who's intellectual, even like when you see interviews on TV, you know, people have a tendency to avoid questions and someone who's that smart to see him dodge or avoid a God experience question is somewhat kind of odd to me. So, I mean, that was just one of my observations, but, and then him and Duncan got into a little bit on the spiritual side of what God is and thought that was really cool conversation. They actually got into like what our last two podcasts were. Uh, what's the difference between a truth teller and a false prophet. And all we're basically doing is honing in on know them by their fruits. And are you able to tell that? And Duncan went into like a detailed explanation of how he can tell the difference between like really disciplined, you know, people that go on retreats as opposed to, you know, someone just in everyday life who's got a busy life. And he said some remarkable things. I mean, he was talking about like the other, there's just a different, they just have a different energy. And one thing I really said, which in my uh, personal life, in my career, the best thing, the best attribute um, possible is to be a good listener. And there's something about someone who has meditated and had, you know, an awakening to, to realize, like, it made me a really good listener. And that's somewhat of an advantage because so many people that are not good listeners for sure yeah they were both good i mean that i like um i like the intellectual angle like i think it's a pretty interesting conversation in terms of what he's trying to do is bring the scientific revelation to the theory of creation or to the existence of god so he's got a lot, and it's going to be much better to listen to him than it is me. But just so we we get to where uh, we want to start this conversation, he 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 throws a lot of intellectual reasons for thinking of intelligent design. Most of them have to do with detailed knowledge about DNA and then also the Big Bang, both of which are kind of hard to understand, like how these things came from nothing through uh, with DNA through the Darwin theory and then through the big bang, it's kind of everybody who looks at the big bangs, like yeah, when you take it all the way back to the beginning, you're looking at a miracle. You're looking at a miracle for existence to have spawned the way that it did. Now it's fun listening to science, try to understand God. It's very, very fun. It's, it's, it's a, it's a great, brain project to have going on. But what I wanted to do too is to kind of use um, 
the fact that these are mainstream conversations that are happening right now and really kind of hone in on what our position is. And as science tries to understand the origins of life and the possibility of intelligent design, one of the key things that we're on and one of the reasons that we always talk about, like we can hear people speaking the truth from the heart. Like one of the first things when you look at it like that is science is based in materialism. So if you ask the scientist, like, what is this meaning the universe? He's going to have some kind of answer like atoms are are the building blocks of mass, which are the building blocks of everything. Where we differ, meaning you and I, is consciousness is the building block. Consciousness is before everything. Everything is a product of consciousness. And as soon as you look at it like that, then you can understand, well, if, if you try to say what is consciousness, you're, you're kind of left, if you have to describe it and put it in like a materialistic terms, it is some form of energy. And then that leads you back into the scientific expl- explanation because with Einstein, we know energy equals mass times the speed of light squared. So in terms of spirituality, what we would say is consciousness is the is is the source building material for everything. Everything is coming out of consciousness. And that is the awakening coming to like mystical grips with that. Yeah. So consciousness, um, too, uh, I knew we were going to talk about, you know, the different degrees. I think when you talk about the different degrees of consciousness, now you get into dimensions and there's also a lot of talk out there in this segment about, whether or not, you know, there's a lot of I am God, you know, type of talk, which I I have no problem with that. And there's a lot of like power of now talk. There's a lot of just be talk. And that's, that's there. And, you know, like you said, everyone's on the path. I'm, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm just observing that there's differences there. And from, from my perspective, uh, when you get into degrees of consciousness, I think one of the things that we can't yet explain is different dimensions have to do with different levels of consciousness. So after you awakened, you had two weeks of a consciousness that was on another level. And there's no arguing that you were in your body in a higher dimension. If that was 40, call it 40. That's just a label um, or 5D in the body, whatever you want to call it, you were in a higher consciousness, which you were able to see everything around you from the perspective of what people would say is God's view or God's eye. So 
on an unconscious, unawake level, me and you have definitely seen and are probably not in tune with the different levels and degrees of the energy of consciousness because we we both seen there's like cycles that are going on. But then, you know, you talk about everything spir- spiraling in the universe. I think about these grand questions that have been asked, like, why? You know, you know if, if we're fragments of God, why? And the only logical thing is that's on a cycle on a grand scale. That's on a cycle. Right. So if you have consciousness before anything and it's just bliss, do you even know it's bliss until you are able to be fragmented and go on a cycle? I mean, how do you have hate without love? You know, it's yeah, just the the way Osho says that if if God wanted to be liberated, he would have to be born a man. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, that that yeah, that's 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 it. So everything is relative in nature. And I think we see the cycles and I'm even uh, guilty of it too. Like the mind, the ego, the trickery comes in, you get on a cycle and then, you know, that cycles on the other end and you think, well, I'm on, I'm on the bad side now, you know, I'm not, I'm not vibrating as high as I was, or you're like, I'm not in that state that I was after I awakened. But honestly, it's cycles. Like everything in this universe is circling and cycling. Yeah. And that's, so when you're foundationally, when you're at the building block and the building block is consciousness, and then your realization is everything is consciousness, but then you still are consciousness. So like you're in it, you're like the fish that figures out it's in water. Like you, you, you realize that everything's consciousness and then you also are consciousness. So what you're, when you're talking about the degrees, if we say, you know, we have zero to a hundred percent and let's say humanity is sitting at like 1%, there is a mechanism where that 1% can slide. And I'm just using numbers for the sake of consciousness. I'm not trying to claim like a certain state of consciousness, but let's say you take that 1% and you slide it to 10%. Now, what happens is you become more aware of the, of the consciousness around you and more aware that there's not a difference between your consciousness and the consciousness around you. And there's some kind of gravitational absorption. And it gets tricky because you can't really tell if you're becoming more of the consciousness or if the consciousness is becoming more of you. And there's not really like an answer that you're looking for at that time. But it's it's very much um, like a gravitational absorbing, absorbing thing that's happening there. But then all you have to do. So if you go back to like the 1%, there's like intuition. There's like happy smiles. There's like all this stuff where divinity's coming through even at that 1%. But then we can kind of take many, many people having many, many experiences where that's getting pushed into a higher percentage of divinity coming through the consciousness. And then we have all the ancient stories about religions. 
So you have so you could go way past the 10% to somewhere over in the 70, 80, 90%. And now you're talking about Jesus. Now you're talking about these other spiritual masters who have dropped enough of their identity and slid that consciousness more and more into divinity. And then you have at the very, very end, at like the 99.9%, I mean, that's where you have Buddha. And obviously, I don't know, but I think Buddha gets like all the way over to God. And he's there and he's all alone and he's like, I'm it. It's me. Like all of that divinity coming through him. So you have this sliding scale and as you slide more into divinity and less out of your own identity, you're able to perceive more that you can really only explain through like dimensional shifts like there's no other words that describe it and that's what like a lot of the scriptures a lot of like the ancient religious texts through multiple different religions like they're all describing this thing so if you put in some discipline like meditative type discipline and you and you try and you chase the goal of experiencing god there, there is an experience to be had, not because you're special, only because like you asked the right questions and started going in the right direction. As, as you were talking, I was thinking about the who am I seed again, and and just the totality. I know we're going with like these big, broad questions. But as far as uh, the Big Bang and the creation, I think about the very small bits and pieces of consciousness that you can get to, like astral projection or, you know, psychedelics to teleport to understand you're a multidimensional being. And in that place, I believe, like, that, that travel, like everyone says speed of light, but there's like a faster speed than that consciousness is faster than the speed of light it's like a hidden force or hidden energy so you ask god or consciousness in the beginning asks who am i and that's that's a powerful seed from a blissful oneness consciousness that can create Yes, that can create. So now in, in the evidence of that is the theory of relativity, like all the spiritual masters everywhere talks about the universe within, like we have all the keys within the kingdom of heaven is within the universe is within you. So when I look back to asking the question as a little boy, who am I? I had no idea what I was doing, but I don't necessarily think consciousness knew what it was doing but just to know itself right and it's a hard thing for my mind like my mind and ego wants to like step in and start saying well you know and that the whole ancient god syndrome comes into play where you're like you know blasphemy or, or whatever but seeds are powerful 
we're apart fragmentations of God in the image of to find out what we are, which is God. And then that's a powerful seed. It's like the most powerful seed that was ever thrown out. Right. And then when we ask it, we, us having the universe within from the cycle of the three dimensional life experience are now have the opportunity to go dimension by dimension to find out who am I, but that, that it never ends because when you get to the end, you ask the question again. Yeah, it, it it's it's really all in wonder constantly yeah it, it and it's so it's so paradoxical because and it, and it is it's i mean you can hear rogan i mean you can almost hear frustration when two people try to like explain god and explain like their god experiences like you can even for you know somebody like rogan who's very skilled at you know interview and obviously the other person he's talking to is very patient and it's not as if they are arguing but if you if you pay attention you can you can detect that they're getting a little testy with each other at times because it's it's such a it it, it's such an intense point in all of our identities is our understanding of god even atheists Atheists are really, really hung up on their ideas of God, even though they don't believe in God. I mean, we've talked about the agnostics, and obviously believers, we've all had run-ins with believers who are very, very caught up in their ideas of God. So when you start having these conversations about God and how God works through a God experience rather than a suggested belief, it, it gets... it's hard to describe because so many things become paradoxical like what you were just saying in terms of recognizing that the who am i question in you is also the who am i question in god now one of the things that i can recognize when you say that question is whatever happened to me changed me absolutely and completely but i also remain the same thing so there's there's all these paradoxical things and so what do you mean what do you mean it changed you but you became the same thing meaning the filter that i was running everything through just got shut off but because that filter got shut off, so, I mean, it is, it's a form of death. Like, you can feel it. As soon, it's a, like, that thing that I've always relied on that processes all the stuff that I, I take into my being to understand the world around me shuts off. It's, it's a death. But I'm still here. I'm still here. And actually where I'm at now is in such a better place than I've ever found myself before because I'm not caught up in that thing 
that was filtering all this nonsense with. Yeah, it's always it's always a, a beautiful thing to hear you talk about those moments because it's, I mean, the cycles of the experience um, they come, but the difference between belief and experience is you're one hundred percent changed in a different direction. And, and you can never really look back. Like you can walk away from religion. You can get, you know, fed, fed up with it. And, uh, but, but with experience, there's something different. There's something mystical. You know, I, I watched you go through something mystically and that energy was like bouncing off of you and coming straight back to me. And I was having mystical experiences and yeah. I was having another God experience. So the spiritual laws play into that. You know, you, uh, you do one, it's, it's a complete karmic law. Like I've had conversations with, with other people. And if, if, if questions start to flow and it ends up being a flowing conversation, you know, both parties are benefiting. I think I just, right. I, I posted something on one of the main differences, um, you know, is having that ability for it to turn into a flow. Um, and that, that whole situation or that whole conversation becomes a mystical experience. And, and those experiences that like, nobody can take those away from me because they're a part of who I am. It's all a part of the, who I am seed. So once those happen, you know, it's like, building blocks of you know the next stage of life to discover who i am i did want to say like it, it just correction to myself i don't necessarily think there's some being saying who i am i'm saying it's constant awe and wonder that that's the natural like question so just for example you know we i die and i my complete energy moves forward and all in wonder and wonder in higher dimensions. And you get to the point of solar body and you understand bliss. Well, you just don't, you just don't stop and stagnant. You know, you, you're, you're a creative force at that point. So it's like, what can I do? Who am I? What am I? What is this new consciousness capable of? As you ask the question, like after you're awake, what is this consciousness capable of? So at every stage you go to, like what you get to bliss on that cycle on the other side, the question, the only question is, what am I capable of? Now? But it's in, it's in a state of awe and wonder. Like, I, I can't believe this. Like, where am I at experientially? What can I do? I can travel at the speed of consciousness, which is faster than the speed of light, and I can create mass. And I can create right. whatever I want to. Right. Yeah, the, the awe and wonder, I, I love that. And uh, I've been using a different word. I've been using adventure, but I recognize that when you say awe and wonder, I mean, that that is the path, the awe and wonder. And... 
that that's the direction when you find yourself in that awe and and wonder i mean that is that is the beautiful direction that that's the yellow brick, brick road i mean that's that's it um and it, it it's osho was actually talking about that today too it's funny you say that cuz um i know you weren't listening with me but uh he was he, basically just saying at that point of awe and wonder, like you don't even really have any more questions. The question is the awe and wonder and you're just pushing forward with it. And you said it perfectly. An example popped into my head because you you can't really, anyone listening, you can't look at a child and and, um, really have any judgments about where they're at. So just for kicks and giggles, Put any boy or girl on the beach in, you know, five, six, seven, right in there. Put them, sit them on the, on the beach, in the sand. The only state they're in is awe and wonder of what they can play with. The sand. Right. That's the only option they give themselves. Right. That's the only option. Like, there, there there's... There's no playing mind games in higher dimensions. The only thing to do, like, is discover more of who you are. And and that right. five or six year old sitting in the beach playing in the sand is just the beautiful thing of playing in the sand. Like, wow, these are sand. What can I build? I can build a castle. I can I can just play in the sand for two hours, and there is no worry in the world. There's just one option. That's, that's it. Like, and then you get older and, you know, the mind gets in the play and the ego and things get complicated. And that's probably the reason for the second death. But that's the example of what consciousness does because that child who's in the sand, even if that child has been through a lot in its childhood, like, he, like it's not even to the point where you've like taken that conscious away, even if it's, you know, any four or five year old with any kind of parents or any kind of background, take them to the beach and sit them in the sand and see if they don't all reside in the same awe and wonder state. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. Um, it's funny that this topic came up because there's something else I wanted to talk about tonight, just to kind of like get it on record. But, um, you know, in terms of, you know, having experience of God, and then when you're, when you find yourself like in this position and you're looking at it and you're like, Oh, like this is, this is like the spiritual thing that everybody talks about. This is it. This like, and then it's kind of like, where does it go from here? And one of the things that we talk about a lot is the dream work. And the dream work is really not that complicated. It's just a matter of trying to be aware of your dreams. And specifically, the way to do that is to start journaling and writing these stuff down. Um, you can, it's a, it sounds like an easy discipline, but it's actually, it's, it's, uh, it can be challenging. Um, but it's like in the in the dream work now, I constantly find myself in a state of awe and wonder. I was calling it adventure, but I love awe and wonder. Um, 
it's pretty constant. Um, what's interesting is in my real life situation. So my day to day, you know, going to work, I'm, I'm fairly non-reactive. So where I used to find myself reacting to, you know, silly life situation stuff, like I don't really get caught up in that stuff anymore. I can every once in a while. I mean, I'm just not as if like I'm perfect. I'm not trying to say that. I just, I'm, I don't react like I used to. Like there's a real non-reactive thing in the life situation. But in the dream, it's all wonder and adventure. But I'm reactive in the dream. So, like, I'll give you an example. And this is what I think it kind of gets to the heart of, like, what we're always trying to say about dropping identity. Because you're you're dropping stuff that, like, when I mention it, like, um, it's, it's not going to... It's not going to sound right when I tell if I told you all the things that you have to drop. You're not going to like it. I'm going to tell you you have to drop your family. I'm going to tell you you have to drop everyone you love. I'm going to tell you you got to drop everything. You can't have anything. You can't cling on to anything because it'll all be used against you. In the dream. And I'll give you an example. I I react like there's a little girl and she comes up to me and she goes, she goes, you're a traveler. Yeah. Like looking at me like I'm a Jedi, like you're a traveler. And I, I find pride there. I'm in this state of like perfect awe and wonder and adventure but I can feel that pride puffing up. There's like a reaction. But when I get to my life situation, it's the opposite. Like I can't find the awe and wonder because I know this is the way to work. I know this is the way home. I know that there's no surprises. I know everything that's going to happen. There is no awe and wonder, but I'm non-reactive. So if somebody came up to me in my actual life situation and said, are you a traveler? I would just look at them and smile and have no, no reaction to it whatsoever. It's almost as if like the two versions have to merge. Like these are two versions of myself that I know very intimately now, just from like the 14 months or whatever it is of doing the dream work. Like there's the awe and wonder needs to meet the life situation guy. And if I can get these two together, and this is what we're talking about with the consciousness, the consciousness ends up being like this very intricate, um, like tumbler lock that once you get on its trail, you're always trying to push it in directions to open it up to flow through more divinity. And, most of the work, like everybody that talks about divinity and how to find divinity, and especially in like religions and all the normal places you hear it, they're always like chasing God, which is for me not correct in terms of how to have a God experience. You're always trying to figure out how to fix stuff in you, merge stuff in you and lose parts of you. 
I'm curious. Well, you, the the pride thing and the dream. What what do you mean by that? Like what you you reacted to her when she said it, like internally or externally? I I like when she says it. I can feel it puffing me up. Oh, it's as if she comes up to yeah. me and says, "Are you a Jedi?" Yeah. And I and I'm not like dancing around in pride or anything, but I can feel it puff me up. Like he he doesn't know something that I know here in the life situation. But in the life situation, it's like flipped. I don't react here. But I have no awe and wonder. And when I say no awe and wonder, I mean, certainly there's, I get bits and pieces of awe and wonder in terms of uh, synchronicities and nature. And it's, it's not as if it's absent. I'm just saying in there it's abundant. But I'm susceptible to reactions there because I'm pretty proud of myself for whatever it is I'm accomplishing. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That was, um, I, I don't think I've ever heard Joe Rogan explain awe and wonder from a psychedelic experience. Do you remember what he took? Uh, he's probably talking about DMT. Tryptoline or something? Dimethyltryptamine? Yeah, I think something like that. I don't know, but... Um, when he was telling that story, I made a, I might have heard this before, but he was telling that to the in, intellectual scientist. And yeah. I was like, fireworks were going off inside of me. I was like, go get them, Joe. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, but I could just hear Brainy and then, then Joe's trying to respond. Like, do you realize like I've had an experience like that trumps anything you've ever read before. Like it, it, anything you can stuff in your brain is, it's kind of the whole thing, like the, the whole verse, um, you know, what good is it to gain the whole world, but lose your soul. Right. I mean, that come to mind. Um, Cause it's completely about experiencing, you know, the soul as much, much as possible. But when he told that, that was pretty mind blowing to me that he used the words, um, and we talk about astral projection and the first two times I did it, like the very first realization that you're going to say is it's more real than this place. And then right. like in this place, without that experience, you can't understand how something can be more real than real. Like th- right. that's like the, the dimensional awe and wonder. It's like right. every stage, like it's uh, into bliss. It's It's not something that we're even capable of probably experiencing right now because it would um probably not be possible for us to endure that at this moment but when he explained it as um being in this place that he he was explaining a, a higher consciousness and he even used words like teleportation which exactly like when it happened to me like as soon as i shut my eyes it was like boom like jump out and i'm like holy shit i'm i'm out like so that was like uh, i couldn't believe that he was describing 
and I know it's attainable so through certain psychedelics, but I didn't really understand like, like it's just forcing you to astral project. Yeah. It's just forcing you to do it. And, um, you know, you, you've, you've said some things about, um, uh, I don't know yet whether fast tracking it is something that's advantageous or not. I don't know. Cause it, it, anyone you talk to, no one's like, Hey, I'm do these drugs. It's not like pushing stuff to accomplish something. Um, everyone that ever does it said, yeah, you can attain it through meditation. It just takes longer. But if you want to fast track it and I know you've kind of been on the fence about that theory. Yeah. I mean, I, In terms of fast tracking, like you could fast, like it, it, there's people like really stuck in their ways, like really rooted in the life situation, like really far away from any sense of awe and wonder. Um, and then you throw them into an astral experience that they have no control over. It's going to change their outlook on what this whole thing is meaning the the entire universe it's going to change that now in terms of is that pushing them in a direction of like more awakened consciousness or not i think that's more of an open question and i mean my theory on this is that the consciousness everything is consciousness the matter is consciousness the the being that we're in right now is consciousness and what that consciousness is doing is creating ideas of ourselves really over and over and over again and then we're locking and storing those ideas in our body and then when we are ready we pull up these different versions of ourselves for different circumstances different uh, circumstances. So this is my podcast one. And then I have my wife one and then I have my kids one and then I have my work one. So you have these and all you're doing is you're flowing energy through these systems that you've created. Now, what happens be, and what is that system? What is that system that you created? What is this system right now that I created that I call Kane is sitting down podcasting? What is that system? It's a system of energy that I'm consciously pushing out and you're recognizing it now as my voice. All it is, is consciousness. What happens if you take that consciousness and then blast it off into the astral? So you take that consciousness and you expand it. What is expanding? And you're getting expanded consciousness, so it's going to do something. But my point is, you could be expanding one of the egos. So you're going to come back, and the first thing you're going to do is you're going to be like, oh my God, I know something that other people don't know. Like if you look at Rogan and his his um, history with DMT, what he does is he 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 introduces it to a lot of people. But he introduces it like, you've got to see this. But 
and it's not a knock on Rogan. Like I'm just saying like the way the ego works. What he's saying is, I know something you don't know. I've got to show you. I've got to show you this because it's going to expand your consciousness. And you can hear like many, many stories of people having this confrontation with Rogan and going through with it. And I would say it's about half and half just listening to him over the years. And it seems to me like it's very, very possible that the ego itself, which is just consciousness, that's all it is. So it can also expand. And what happens if you have an expanded ego? One of the problems with that is it's going to fortify itself inside of you even more. Like you've given it a tool to fortify itself within the identity even more. It's going to be harder to get rid of. Yeah, and that, that as soon as you said that, you know, karmic law just pinged off in me. You know, there's just certain things in in the universe that you know we know the what everyone says like do something bad to someone and it's going to come back on you as karmic law i'm kind of talking something like on the levels of energy like if you go if and i don't even know if it knew that this would ever exist but if you fast forward not having an awakening three-dimensional it's i think you're spot on but but that's just some kind of you know karmic law that if if you do expand the ego um that what you get back is a stronger and fortified ego i mean you explained it pretty pretty good uh but that's just i'm not saying it's like a punishment I'm just saying you don't know what you're dealing with as far as the possible pros and cons of it. And any, anyone you talk to, like the only way you can really astral project is if you'd have a three dimensional wake up here and then you progress from there. Everything's, you know, in stages and, um, a reason why you just can't, ascend to you know the 11th dimension like buddha because it's um it's experiential i i think you i mean everything hit pretty hard when you just explained it that way uh i was i was waiting on the explanation of um some things just don't resonate as far as like um because the reason is is people do it because they don't want to meditate correct i mean that's correct. that's bottom line i mean we, we've right. talked to people before that fast-tracked it on this podcast and and right. it's just oh um i don't want to meditate and then if you seek something outside to catapult that consciousness within it just seems that there's like some karmic laws playing like you said because yeah. it's I don't have like some kind of example to compare it to, but I can see it really clearly because you, you're basically saying I don't have time to go within and discover stillness on my own and let that be revealed to me. Yeah. And I want to, I want to make sure like, I love Rogan. Like I, 
I think he's done a lot for the conversation, uh, even for the conversation of consciousness and stuff. So, I mean, you can see how, I mean, I, even if it is all ego, like divinity is working through him in, 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 uh, wonderful ways. So, and there's no moral judgment about what anybody's doing in terms of trying to push their consciousness, but it, it is interesting if you listen to his own words, the way Joe Rogan explains the last time he had a DMT trip and he talks about seeing gestures, what he calls gestures. And he's like little miniature people like dressed as like almost like clowns, like little gestures. And they're all flicking them off and they're all saying, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And they're all flicking, they're all flicking them off and saying it over and over again. Rogan sees this and um, because it's Rogan and he's very, very authentic and heartfelt when he talks. So, I mean, it's just, he's just telling you what his experience is. He's saying he got the overwhelming feeling that I'm taking myself too seriously. Those are his words. I got the overwhelming feeling that I'm taking myself too seriously. And that was kind of what he brought back from that experience. But if you kind of dissect a little bit what's happening there, what whatever is op- so if there if there's a dimensional space that has some kind of serenity that we don't necessarily understand and somebody invades that space with something that's going to be recognized as ego it's not going to have a good reaction to that it's it's like taking a kid into a brothel like you just took something in a place it's not supposed to be what happens if you take a kid into the brothel i mean they're just going to they're going to pick you up and they're going to move you out it's going to be somewhat confrontational but so that's what he explains and he explains a bunch of people having a similar type experience it's almost as if they pushed into something that they weren't supposed to push into and not that they weren't supposed to push into but they weren't supposed to do it with identity or with ego you weren't supposed to bring that like the same way gene hart always talks about like you can't take lust up into certain dimensions it just won't go up there so i think from his own words you can kind of see some of that too where and he doesn't really do it all that much anymore but you can see the the beings able to <clears throat> for lack of a better word kind of take that scolding and come out better for it if you're somebody like rogan because his overall message was just fine he he was saying i'm taking myself too seriously that's a great message to take to heart so it's as if the whole thing kind of worked out for him but in terms of is it a fast track to your own spiritual progression i think that's remains to be seen yeah good conversation um <clears throat> So Duncan Trussell was pretty intriguing to listen to today. I've I've never really le- listened to uh, – well, he was just on last week. He was on like two weeks in a row. I listened to the last one fully, but uh, this one was just really synchronistic 
Um, I mean, they got into uh, the difference between truth tellers and false prophets. And that was, yeah. that was our last two podcasts. Yeah. Um, I couldn't believe it, man. He was going on and on about telling the difference of, did I already talk about this? No. Oh, okay. I mean, you mentioned it. Is that but... deja vu? Is this <laughs> a matrix? By the way, his profile picture is a black cat. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So go figure. Um, he was explaining to Rogan the difference between hearing someone who had obviously experienced some type of awakening as opposed to just an everyday Joe. But he was explaining it beautifully, and that was our last two podcasts, and we hadn't even listened to the show. I was like... I yeah, was and Duncan's wrong. really... Duncan is really on to it. He's kind of a student of Ram Dass. I mean, he he is under the right people to start, I mean, really understanding the difference between truth, truth tellers and false prophets. But is there something to, I mean, is there something to be said that it seems like topics kind of, not just Rogan or Duncan Trussell, but just just in general, um, that the same topics seem to be covered at the same time within a very small time period. Like, like everyone's kind of in sync with, you know, the message at hand. It, it, it just seems like very synchronistic as far as, um, and if if we're on Twitter, so there's a bunch of spiritual people. People, so it it does seem like that um, a lot. But just in general, when we have two podcasts and talk about the difference, which was um, one week ago and two weeks ago, and they spend five minutes talking about truth tellers and false prophets, and he's talking about how they know the difference between the two. I mean, it just seems like something works with with the timing. Yeah, I think we see that a lot in spirituality. I mean, that's just that's one of the one of the interesting things about it. I mean, we've talked about before, like looking somebody somebody else in the eyes, and you have that recognition, or they feel like they know you, and like the idea that, well, that if you go deep enough, you do know me because you are me. I think you're talking about something that's very similar where if you get conversational and you start putting stuff out, you're not necessarily aware of maybe like a deeper thread that divinity has going on at that moment. Like some some message that needs to be heard, some conversation that needs to be had. And then when you start doing it, you realize, oh, other people are getting that that muse at that time as well. But I think it's just because everything is really coming from the same place. Yes, that that was also talked about too. Um, when you have a conversation that flows and 
you can tell that there's uh, no walls up that that conversation turns into one that conversation can fly by so time is kind of warped but also um you feel like you've known the person he even said it it feels like you've known the person and maybe in many different lives because the connection to oneness is like that's the whole know them by their fruits like it's feeling correct it's feeling like if i have a conversation with some and it's not one-sided it's not one-sided even even if you're not the questioner that's the point like the i'm right you're wrong syndrome that was created by unconscious people would never happen because what i'm saying is like you have the whole thing where like unconscious people put you know spiritual teachers on a pedestal and therefore that keeps them in a box. What I'm saying is you have the conversation with someone and it develops into something where you both know exactly what you're talking about. But the questioner is not, is the one that's being questioned is not on a pedestal either. Like he's getting the same energy. The other person is, So there is no, there's no ego. Like the ego is actually dissolving in that conversation. You can feel it. Like once that comes in and the flow comes in, that starts to dissolve in that person. There is no one up here. There is no one up here. Like it becomes this mutual thing. No matter, like even the the spiritual master, like the questioner, it's, that's just a label. But the spiritual master knows that he learns from the questioner. But but it but it's it's no level than just meeting right there, like there is right. no one above that oneness. Once you connect on the oneness, it's not like if if you learn something from them or you get to a point where you don't dream anymore and you astral project. You know you're a spiritual master, but that's a label. But you still have a conversation with someone who can experience the same oneness and. You're on the same level as they are. Right. So I I think you can get caught up in words and labels in that. And that's one thing that I just wanted to share as far as knowing them by their fruits. Like, um, there really isn't anyone that's above anyone because the spiritual master gets something from the student as well. That's why Osho is as gangster as he is. I was listening to him today and like once again, like he's confronted on like the red outfits. And it's so it's so amazing listening to his answers to these questions that he gets. And it's exactly what you were talking about. Like in terms of false prophets or truth tellers and these days like we've we've done a lot of investigation and like you listen to like a lot of different spiritual stuff going on but osho stands out so much because i've never seen a truth teller so comfortable pushing into the area of where people are going to think he's a false prophet 
Like, I, I can't even explain it. A truth teller who has absolutely no fear of the label of false prophet and just pushes into that space unapologetically and says flat out, the reason I'm pushing into this space is because it's going to have the most destructive reaction to your ego and lays it all out like a schematic of your own dismantling. It's really, it's a, it's a gangster move. I mean, I've, after looking at all the spiritual teachers, I've never seen anything like it. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it, it's unbelievable, honestly, because wild, wild yeah. country, if you do not know Ocho and you watch that, um, Netflix, Netflix documentary, it's on Netflix, right? It is. Yeah. Um, you will come away with a negative view of Osho. Absolutely. You will come away. Cause I mean, it was designed to paint him as a villain and, uh, but that's why it's so powerful for me because that I was introduced to Osho before. So I had him in the category of cult leader. So it was, it was for me, it's all part of it where it's like, oh, like even my conditioning about like who's a spiritual teacher and who isn't was all wrong. Yeah. Yeah. That sparked my memory. You have got to watch Holy Hell. Oh my goodness. It's, um, it's probably just for the listeners out there too. It's probably the best documentary. Um, it's pretty graphic too. So, you know, if you don't, it's, if you don't want to watch anything disturbing, then don't watch it. But if, if you're wanting to learn like how a false prophet or how someone, this is what I'm saying. Like uh, someone I believe had the knowledge of truth and used it to exploit. And this is the best example I've ever had of like, um, I've never seen the kind of power that he wielded over these people. Um, uh, and I mean, it's okay. Documentary. It it wasn't the best made, but uh, the point is there. Um, it's the best one I've ever seen as far as the story and how how he, um, controlled people's minds. And I did want to make the point on false prophets. Something popped into my head while you're talking. Like it's so obvious to me, like there, there is no, when you, when you look at the example of like David Koresh, um, you, you have a situation where, uh, David Koresh is right. And all the followers think he's right. So they have, uh, and that's in like holy hell as well. Like they believe that he has something um, that they don't, and they use techniques of um, truth or words. Or and on a small scale, this happens in church. Congregation thinks that the leader has something just a little bit more than they do, and they have to go through him to get to God. So it's, it's one person, maybe two saying I'm right. And the other people acknowledging that he's right, literally acknowledging that there's one person that's right about something and I'm wrong about it. 
Right. Like it's a complete syndrome in a, in a mind job. And with any, the contrast of me with any truth teller, anything, Duncan Trussell put it best. Like even in a small argument, like when two people are fighting to be right, the other person always leaves right and angry or right and resentful. And it's like, what is that place to be? Like, what, what, what is the point? So for me, when you look at the truth teller, it's all about consciousness and the expansion of it. And knowing that there's discoveries to me made about who you are that has nothing to do with your intellectual ego of thinking you're right. Nothing. It has nothing to do with, with any of this. So yes, you can get followers and yes, you can get people that would thrust whatever you want to on them. But there's really not one time where you've thought I, I was right or wrong. This is a conversation, a flow conversation. We've done 50 something podcasts. It, it has nothing to do about right or wrong. It's all down to business all figuring out who I am and all about figuring out how far consciousness and how elevated it can go. Oh.